0: Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of Seen and Heard, Industry Updates for the Modern Dairy Family. I'm Melissa Lima, your North Coast and Organic Field Services representative, bringing you this week's episode. Today, we are glad to have Tiffany LaMondola, our contract economist with Bloomington Associates, back with this week's Market Update. And for the last time in her current role as the California Dairy Industry Director of Sustainability, Aubrey Betancourt brings us a sit-down interview she had with Jeff Vanden Heuvel of the More Water Now Movement. We hope you enjoy today's episode. We will jump right in with Tiffany.
1: Hi, I'm Jessica with PG&E. 811 is a free service to keep our community safe. Before you do any digging, PG&E will mark your gas and electric lines so you don't hit them. Call 811 before you dig. To learn more, visit
2: pge.com slash safety. Hi, folks. Happy December. Well, it looks like we might wrap up 2021 in a fairly decent uh, position in terms of milk prices, which is good news given escalated costs facing dairy producers. Uh, We really, really need to see that. Um, Starting with cheese, we... Ended the week at $1.8575 blocks. That is the ninth consecutive uh, trading day at that level. We didn't see any volume trade in Chicago. That's the longest streak with no volume since 2018. Meanwhile, barrels pressed a little bit higher to $1.6025. I think cheese production took a bit of a breather during the uh, Thanksgiving holiday and probably put a little extra milk back into the countryside But still, cheesemakers say cheap milk is a little hard to come by. And at the same time, export opportunities are pretty healthy. And all of that's offering some support to prices uh, in Chicago. Shoppers definitely stocked up on dairy products ahead of the Thanksgiving holiday. We saw natural cheese sales at retail level up 5% over 2019 levels. And we're expecting Christmas to bring another strong performance. Although outlooks are a little mixed beyond that last holiday, some folks are expecting sales to stay healthy in 2022. Um, Some expect supplies to meet and possibly even exceed demand, uh, particularly given a little extra cheese capacity. Moving over to butter. We uh, started the week pretty quiet, but by week's end, we're able to push back over the $2 mark. We closed out at $2 uh, and a quarter. And noter, uh, notable interest uh, from buyers, it seems, in the butter space. Definitely saw some good performance at the retail level there as well, with sales up 15% over the same period of 2019. And we're seeing some nice promotional activity at the retail level. So hopefully that will continue in the next couple weeks ahead. On nonfat dry milk, we also inched a little bit higher, up to $1.5625. Um, powder demand seems to be pretty firm. Uh, we saw a little bit more supplies break loose possibly over the holiday weekend. Um, Buy side interest, especially New Mexico, is typically a little slower this time time of year, and we expect that to remain quiet heading into year end. Uh, Meanwhile, uh, prices internationally are still pretty firm. Dutch prices of skim milk powder at $1.65 and German prices at $1.68. Next week, we do have another global dairy trade event on Tuesday. Looks like they're going to offer um, some additional skim milk powder um, on that that auction up 8.8% year over year. Looking to 2022, um, definitely with escalated production costs, folks certainly have milk price protection on their mind. I just want to remind everybody there's still some really good options to take a look at. We still don't have details on the dairy margin coverage or DMC signups via the FSA office. We're hopeful they will be releasing something soon, and we'll keep you updated. Other good programs to take a look at are Dairy Revenue Protection, DRP, which in its simplest terms allows you to secure a subsidized milk price floor, and with uh, futures values in the high 18s to $19 out in 2022, there's some decent things to be had. And then finally, want to mention that there's been some improvements to that old livestock gross margin or LGM program that have, have brought that program a little bit back to life. So check out the latest uh, West United update for more detail. And do not hesitate to give me a ring if you'd like to discuss anything in further in further detail. Have a great week, bye-bye. Yosemite Farm Credit is the farmer's choice for agriculture financing. As a farmer-owned cooperative, we are dedicated to serving our neighbors in the agriculture community with financial products and services tailored to your operation and backed with the relationship you can trust. Whether you're purchasing real estate making improvements to the dairy, or wanting to purchase or lease equipment, we're here to help our members prosper. Visit our website at YosemiteFarmCredit.com to find a branch location nearest you.
1: Well, uh, I am happy to be on here today. We're going to talk a little bit of water today, and uh, I'm joined by uh, Jeff Vanden Heuvel and um, with the More Water Now initiative. And... Uh, Jeff, welcome on and, and thanks so much for coming over and um, and telling us about this initiative. We're hearing a lot more chatter about it. Obviously, the the water challenges facing the state of California are extensive and diverse and they touch so many regions, not just ag, as, as you and I have talked many times. you know we, we have a tendency to get our blinders on and stay siloed about what our problems are, but this initiative has a little more dynamic to it and seems to have a, a lot of other components to it. Uh, and and as a proponent, I'm really happy to have you here to to have a conversation around the, you know, tell us a little more about where this initiative came from and uh and and what is in it, uh and uh and and just kind of uh, you know the evolution of this process.
3: Well, thank you, Aubrey. It's uh, it's a pleasure to be uh, be on with you and uh, to discuss a topic that's near and dear to both of our hearts, which is California water. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I think uh, most people uh, understand that we've built quite a civilization here on the West Coast in a place where, particularly the southern part of the state, there really isn't much water. Um, I, I ran across a quote uh, years ago and, and the quote was was on the cover page of the UC Davis uh, first economic report on the value, the economic value of the California uh agriculture sector. This was done back in the the 90s, or actually maybe even the 1980s. And there was a quote on there. And I have since discovered who who wrote the quote. And it was a man named Hinton Helper, who was an author from the South. And um, he came out to California in 1855, and he traveled around. Now, remember, we became a state in 1849. Gold Rush, that was the era. And uh, the title of his book that he ended up writing, which was a compilation of reports that he did uh, as he was traveling California, was The Land of Gold, Reality versus Fiction, 1855. And here's the quote. He said, balancing resource against defect and comparing territory with territory, California is the poorest state in the Union. She has little to recommend her except her fascinating metal. As for the valleys, they will afford a sufficient supply of breadstuffs to support sparse sparse settlements, but the average or general surface of the country is incapable of sustaining a dense population. Now that was in 1855, and it is obviously very different from what we see today. So what happened? And what happened was, is we developed water projects, which moved water around from areas of abundance to areas of need, and literally caused the desert to bloom. In agriculture here, we in the San Joaquin Valley, you know, we we live this water thing all the time, and we know that we got trouble, and we could talk about that. But what I want to spend a couple of minutes talking about, because I, I this water initiative is not to save agriculture. This water initiative is to secure California's ability to flourish for the next century. And if you look at Southern California, which is where all these people are, Southern California has enough native, they only have about 20% of their needed water supply that's local. They have to import about 80% of the water to make Southern California viable and where did they take it the first place they took it was the owens valley way back in 1903 1904 they built a gravity flow 250 mile canal system to bring water into los angeles and that got them going for about 30 years and then they were they needed more water and they built another 260 mile canal to bring water from the colorado river and that got them going for a while and then they needed the state water project But if you look at the the Owens Valley, you look at the uh, Colorado River, and you look at the state water project that comes out of Northern California, all of them have challenges. Uh, Climate change has has definitely, the the, you know, we're getting less snow, which is really our storage. And that system is uh, is stressed, very stressed. So when you look at Southern California, and I just ask you to take a little mental picture. The San Gabriels, if you've ever been there, you know, watched a Rose Bowl game, it's sitting there right by the San Gabriel Mountains. From there to the ocean is only about 35 miles. And they've paved over most of it. So when they do get rain, and when they do get some snow, and it melts, and it starts moving with that kind of fall, it can create massive damage. So if you've ever really kind of noticed as you drove the freeways down there, they have built these massive wide concrete line flood control channels to protect property. Well, that's their water supply. And try to reverse engineer that now in order to try to put water back into the ground. Well, then they do have a, an unlimited source of water, but it's the de- It's de- in the ocean, but it's expensive. And then the other sh- uh, water that they have, which is very reliable is their recycled water. But there too, it's very expensive to clean it up It's all elevation wise at the bottom of the system. So it all has to be pumped back up. And then it has to be replumbed back through the system again. And and so for Southern California, uh, their water problems are significant. They're long-term and they're expensive, okay? They have historically thought they could come up to agriculture areas and take water, but we discovered, they're discovering, and we know that now with our groundwater going to be regulated, we're going to need that water. And so where are we going to get the next tranche of water to sustain ourselves over the next 100 years? And and then there's also an issue of affordability. And, you know, I would just ask you to think about this. If we insisted that parents had to pay the full cost of their children's education, how many educated children would we have in society? Very few, because it's very expensive, and yet somehow or another, when it comes to water, which is a human right now in California, we've got this notion that user has to pay. Like somehow or another, you know, it's an optional purchase. It's not. It's part of what sustains us as a society. So, more water now. The Water Infrastructure uh, Supply Act of uh, 2022 says, look. It, we need, an all of the above strategy. And what do I mean by all of the above? It's, it's desal, it's recycling, it's conveyance, it's all of the various things that uh, create water. And we need uh, to invest a significant and steady amount of money in actually making this water available for us. And so this initiative says we're gonna, we're gonna divert or Allocate 2% of the state's general fund to the state, uh, California Water Commission to fund water supply development projects until we have achieved 5 million acre feet of new supply. Of that 5 million, 1 million can come from enhanced conservation, but 4 million needs to genuinely be new water. And we'll collect the water, the money, until we've got those projects done, and then the 2% can go away. And so that's really the essence of the of the uh, of the initiative. And um, what would be eligible for that? Groundwater, aquifer, uh, aquifer storage, remediation, and recovery, recycling, purification, and treatment of wastewater, expansion, repair, replacement of existing surface reservoirs, construction of new surface reservoirs, D cell, water conveyance development, maintenance and expansion, and in general any project that increases the supply of safe and affordable water for all Californians with an emphasis on disadvantaged communities who, who need it uh, very uh, severely. And there also is a little bit of money in there for some research and development. So a couple more components, Aubrey, that I think, you know, you would appreciate, you know, with your experience in, in this field, and that is you know, all public projects need to go through a regulatory process. And we certainly believe that that is valuable. But uh, often these regulatory approval processes can be abused and exploited um, by dragging things out. So, the California Environmental Quality Act, CEQA, uh, the legislature, when they've had some things that they consider to be really important, uh, like uh, football stadiums and, 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 you know, some low-income housing, those two categories, they have, they have limited the amount of appeals or the time uh, that you can challenge these, uh, these uh, regulatory determinations. So we have lifted that language and put that in here for water supply projects. So there's more of a, of a known uh, limit uh, on, on how long these, these approvals can get dragged out. And then on the Coastal Commission, um, that too has been given like godlike uh, authority to uh, uh, to do things, and we absolutely believe that they perform a very valuable function. But uh, we did put in this provision, this uh, initiative, that there is an appeal process to the Secretary of Natural Resources. Uh, you know, the governor's appointed Secretary of Natural Resources to review a Coastal Commission decision, uh, just so there's some accountability on what's otherwise a pretty unaccountable bunch. So there are a few little nuances like that that are, that are in the initiative, all with the idea that we actually do produce um, some more water supply for California. So I'll just pause there, Aubrey, and take a breath. And,
1: yeah, uh, take and maybe a breath,
3: direct, direct me uh, in a more, in, no, in it, another direction.
1: It sounds like uh, a lot of attention to to some of the, the finer nuances uh, and details. It, it sounds like um, uh, it sounds like there's been a lot of attention to to the the different populations of the state. Um, it, it has has that been um, you know has that been part of who's all involved behind right. pulling this yep. together?
3: Yeah. Yep, yep. There was a lot of input into the the writing of this, but particularly by practitioners, uh, people who've actually tried to do projects and and the stuff that's that's created roadblocks and barriers to getting projects done. And so we tried to, you know, there's absolutely a legitimate uh, role for the government in evaluating projects and evaluating all of their impacts. And, you know, we don't want in any way to short circuit that, but there's also a lot of abuse of those of those mechanisms, uh, which makes it almost impossible to build anything in California. And uh, so we wanted to strike a balance there. We think we have. Um, in, in this initiative. And uh, so that we can actually, you know, have the money and, and get the projects approved and built.
1: And so, keying in there, uh, you know, like, like you said, so, you know, you've addressed the financing, the sustainable financing side of it, in addition to um, the, uh, the finer details of, of the process and, and of, of actual construction and, and approval. Um, who administers, you know, so who, who, then has their hands on this, right? Because if, um, you know, as, as water projects are built, we have to go through various administrative processes. Who's, who's overseeing should this pass, uh, and ensuring the proper implementation of what was intended in, in the initiative. Is that written into the, into the initiative as well?
3: It's actually, it's actually the California water commission that, uh, that is the, uh, that has the responsibility of, uh, of, of allocating the money. Collecting the money, and allocating the money. So are there, there are
1: there um, are there specific authorities given to them in, in yeah, the initiative that would allow are. them to? Okay, could you expand on that a little bit?
3: Uh, you know, getting down into the minutia of, of all of those uh, is is beyond uh, <laughs> beyond my uh, expertise. I mean, the I, lawyers. Let, the lawyers let, let work me. Let me.
1: Let me rephrase the question. Uh, you know, so often projects and bonds—we've seen this over and over again—and and a lot of folks in the water world talk about this too. Especially, uh, uh, especially uh, uh, some of some of the ag folks on social media. You know, we've passed water bonds over and over and over again. How is this different from those that have been done in the past? And what is the forcing function that would actually require these funds to be spent uh, and and projects actually be built?
3: Okay, well, that's a very good question, and I think it's it's uh, we tried to fix the problem with Prop One in this, and and the fundamental problem with Prop One, Prop One used the same mechanism, right, the California Water Commission, mm-hmm. but they tied their hands, and they tied their hands because in the bond the money could only be spent for public benefit, mm-hmm. and and water supply for towns and cities and farms was determined not to be a public benefit, right. <laughs> I mean, as bizarre as that really looks on its face to any common sense evaluation. So you take the Temperance Flat Reservoir and uh, you know, I actually recently watched a, uh, a little uh, panel discussion, Aubrey, that you were part of uh, back um, 2017, I think probably after Prop 1 passed um, and you were on there with uh, Mario Santoya and, and, uh, and um, uh, the professor from Fresno State um uh, who's I should remember uh, Sarge Green and uh, and at that point uh, you know uh, Mr. Santoya was heading up the temperance flat effort and they really thought that they could get a billion dollars out of prop out of prop one and you know that, that wasn't an unreasonable expectation but when when the water Commission had to evaluate what the actual public benefit was as narrowly defined as it was in that bond. Mm-hmm. They came up with 155 million, I believe was the number that they were willing, uh, you know, that they said that uh, uh, could be allocated to that three plus billion dollar project. Well, that was 5%. It just wasn't viable. So y- you can see uh, what a disappointment it is. And, you know, we could we could spend some time talking about all those prop one, you know, we, we made a mistake. Okay, so in this one, water for cities for towns and for farms is a beneficial use. And the Water Commission is given a mandate to produce 5 million acre feet of water. And so they've got the tools, they've got the money. And we also, you know, discussed whether we ought to do, you know, cost share uh, requirements, and we decided not to, because um, you know, uh, we, we've left that in the discretion of the Water Commission. Their job mm-hmm. is, to, is to get make this money go as far as fast as it can. And uh, obviously, if someone has put, you know, if there are local resources that can be put into something, uh, you know, that, you know, that probably gets it up and running quicker. Um, but if there are not, you know, and this is still a good project and important for it's it's really. It's really pulling together as a whole state and saying, hey, look, this is, this is important to us. You know, we recognize where we're at. We, we, we've lived a long time on a reservoir of investment that was made by prior generations. And now it's our turn to secure the future for our state. And, and if we're gonna do this in a serious fashion, then we need to allocate some serious money and give the and give the people that are are, you know, that are capable and, and, you know, that are experts and responsible for this, the tools necessary to actually carry this out.
1: That's um, I, mean, I think that's 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 so evident in, in what's been put forward here. And so to that end, what we you know, tell me a little bit more about uh, the campaign itself, who's behind yeah, well, it? where you're at in the process and and and, and what that looks like currently.
3: Well, the clock's ticking, so we got to about you know sometime in April to produce 997,179 ballot signatures. So we figure we need about a million and a half, you know, by the time you you know sort everything out. Um, we got volunteers? There are petitions printed, and you can get a petition, or better yet, you know, volunteer to circulate petitions at morewaternow.com morewaternow.com
1: very beautiful website you guys have yeah found it real easy little little hamburger menu where to get petitions sign up now it's all right there
3: okay so so there's a volunteer effort as a practical matter i mean when you actually kind of do the math we need like eighty five hundred signatures a day i mean it's it's rather astounding so uh you know the way the way uh, initiatives get qualified is some part of it is done by paid signature gatherers, which is still legal in this state. <laughs> it's just expensive. You know, it's going to come down to probably five or $6 a signature. So if you're a volunteer mm-hmm. and you're out there, just think every every signature you get that's a good one, you know, that's 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 a $5 donation, right? I mean, if, if you want to look at it that way. But in order to get the million and a half, we're going to need paid signature gatherers. And so we're trying to raise money. And, you know this is not a sexy uh, initiative like uh, you know some of the uh, other things that raise you know when an uber and lyft got in a fight with uh, you know wanted to do their thing you know or the, the kidney dialysis industry and the unions I mean they can raise uh, gamblers tobacco you can think of these initiatives that have raised tens of millions of dollars water just not you know not that kind of an issue um, so uh, we need to raise probably about $6 million to get it on a ballot and we're, we're nowhere near it. So we need money and we need volunteers. And, um, but I would say, Aubrey, this is, this is a really historic opportunity to do something extremely meaningful, uh, not just for ourselves, but for the generations that will follow us. You know, we are all inheritors of what other people did, uh, you know, in the past. And it's our generation's turn. So uh, we've teed it up and uh, we're looking for, uh, for people to step up and uh, if people do. We got a shot at it. Um, if people don't, you know, this will this will be a, you know, not not have the kind of outcome that uh, we certainly would like to see and hope for.
1: It's a it's it's a unique process, the the initiative process in California, and I think the the misnomer and I, I'm glad you're being so open about it, um, having personally been involved in initiatives as well. Um, it's uh, the misnomer is, is that it's this great civic grassroots opportunity for us to engage in our government. And it's like actually it costs a hell of a lot of money to do this, um, you know, to go through this process. and. Uh, it's, 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 it's not as, you know, the barriers to entry are high. It's a, it's a process, you know, that is grassroots in its, in its intent, but um, uh, astroturf in its application, right, um, in a lot of ways. So um, tell me a little more about uh, just the the, 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 you know, it's a bond that's, pre- it's, a, it's a, it's an initiative predicated on, on diverse benefit. You've talked about urban. You've talked about recycling. You've talked about stormwater capture, which I'm very happy to hear. Um, the The potential off the San Gabriel Mountains is insane. And when I first finally understood what LA River restoration was about, and it was really about water supply development in the region, I'm like, I'm all in. Rewild that stuff. We can shoot car chases somewhere else. Like it's it's great
2: um,
1: because of the amount of potential water potential for you know when it comes to stormwater capture and and um, and runoff down in Southern California, but you know, you talked about Dsal, and you've talked about that. Tell me a little bit more about the people behind the initiative and 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 the diversity that's there to represent this. Is it's obviously had input in its development? Um, how is that representing you know in the campaign?
3: Yeah, well, I you know I kind of I I got associated with it, you know, kind of a friend of a friend, not not through AG, uh, but I was having coffee with a friend and we were talking about, you know, lots of other things. And, and then he said, yeah, I got a friend of mine that's uh, working on this initiative. And of course, you know, he knew I was involved in water. Uh, and said, would you talk to him? I said, sure. So that's how I got uh, acquainted with Ed ring. Um, who, who's actually kind of the uh, he, uh, spirit heading it. Uh, you know, he's a, he, he's not a, uh, you know, he's an urban guy. He's, he's not a farmer at all. Um, yeah. Some of the early people that were involved were, uh, uh, Steve Sheldon, who's the chairman of the Orange County Water District, and uh, Shane DeWayne, who's a business guy from uh, Southern California, and um, uh, there's there's a number of Southern California uh, water folks that uh, that were that were well on their way to to writing this thing um, when I got involved, and and you know it wasn't just me from AG. I mean there was you know there's there's been others. I I don't feel at liberty to name them. Uh, they would be names that you recognize of people that. That had particular expertise in, uh, you know, having experienced the Prop One disappointment and making sure that this, you know, that we re- we drafted this in a way so that if it passed, we could actually get something done. So, been a been a, a, a all hands on deck. There's there's been a lot of uh, input from the, uh, the construction trade unions. Um, they got things that they care about. So yeah, prevailing wage is uh, is going to be uh, part of any project. Uh, you know, there wasn't any way we're going to build anything of I mean, any s- substance in this state without taking care of other people who are building it. So mm-hmm. that's a, that's no, you know, no regret. And, uh, you know, they're, 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 that's a welcome, welcome uh, partnership. Sure. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of different, you know, different uh, components to, uh, to making up something like this.
1: Do you, uh, where do you anticipate, you know, has there been any opposition so far and where do you anticipate that coming from?
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, Sierra Club doesn't like it. Um, you know, I, I don't want to be disparaging about the Sierra Club. Uh, I like the Sierras and John Muir uh, was a great Californian. Uh, whether, that, whether that, you know, the activists in that group uh, still represent, you know, those types of values, I, I, I'll leave for others to determine. Uh, but yeah, there is some uh, opposition there. Um, you know, you could see that there might be folks concerned about, alloc- you know, a carve out on the uh, on the state budget. But um, you know, forty percent of the state budget goes to education, and why did we do that? And that's into perpetuity. Um, this is two percent for a period of time until we get the five million acre feet of additional supply, and then it goes away. And I would say, you know, California is a unique place. You know, we really have made a civilization here flourish out of the desert, um, but water is a lot bigger deal here, and it takes more engineering to make uh, life life sustainable, and, you know, we do want some free-flowing rivers, you know. If you look at the original uh, plans for how they were going to supply water, you know, 100 years ago, you know, there were a lot more rivers that were going to be subjected to being Dammed up and and put into the system, and you know as a people we said no we you know we got to kind of make do with, with the rivers that we've done, and, and you know I think Californians are you know they are environmentalists. I'm an environmentalist, um, which means that we can still flourish, but it's more expensive. You know if, if we're gonna de- if some of our water supply is gonna come from the ocean, um, it's gonna cost more money to do it. And if we're going to make the user pay, that means there's a lot of people who are going to pay really, really high water bills. Um, and, and uh, if, if we even can make those projects work. So, you know, the, the sense is, is that the next 5 million acres of supply, if we're, which is what we need if we're going to sustain a healthy, uh, you know, population base and also maintain a healthy agriculture. Uh, we need we need to have uh, a major investment. And uh, so the question is, is, you know, where are Californians? And, you know, we've done a, we've done a little bit of polling and mm-hmm. uh, and, and the public. Uh, the public's very supportive of investing in water supply. And uh, that doesn't mean there aren't things they're concerned about, you know, that you have to talk through in a, in a campaign. Um, but, the you know, the basics are there for uh, for support particularly if this is another dry year
1: yeah yeah well it's uh it's one of those things where you got to get it in front of them uh i think and and let them have the opportunity to have that voice and and i think that's that's exactly the work that you're trying to do with with the qualification right now um and I, you know that's something we've known for a long time and um i think every every chance we get to put this in front of the voters the the, the more the case gets to be made so um you know thank you so much for for coming on and um, and giving us a little bit of background on this, and I'm sure it won't be the last uh, as this continues to get more momentum. I, I'm hearing more about it every day. Uh, and uh, and and glad to see uh, you know the, the, that, that at least from the from, you know I'm really glad to see someone of your caliber with your background and diverse understanding of not only the dairy and the agricultural world and the challenges that we face coming forward but also the understanding of the bigger picture and your experience in Southern California and, and your network and, and connections there to have a voice at the table in developing something. Uh, like you said, that gives an opportunity for the whole state to say, hey, it's time we invest uh, you know, again in ourselves, right? I mean, this is- Absolutely. We, when, Absolutely. when as, a, as a student of history, uh, you know, we've, we've talked about that great vision before and, uh, and having that opportunity and, and what an apropos time. Uh, considering uh, you know the talk about infrastructure at the state and federal levels, uh, and and uh, and the need for that investment in this time. So, um, I you know again, it's morewaternow.com for more information. Um, Jeff, I'm pretty sure everybody in the dairy world knows how to find you. Uh, and uh, and thank you so much for coming on today, and I'm sure it won't be the last. And uh,
3: wish you the best of luck. Thank you, Aubrey, and uh, Sam, to you.
1: Absolutely, take care.
0: Turning your wastewater liabilities into sustainable assets. Learn more at Bennett Environmental.com. Thank you so much to Aubrey Bettencourt, Jeff Vandenhuvel, and Tiffany Lamendola for their contribution to today's episode. On tap next week, Paul Souza sat down with Ryan Flaherty and Aisha Massell of Sustainable Conservation to talk about their exciting new groundwater recharge program. And how it will work for California dairy producers. We look forward to hearing from them. And we will also have a little snippet from our friends over at the California Milk Advisory Board about the exciting conclusion to their dairy accelerator program a couple of weeks ago. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Seen and Heard on your favorite listening platform. If you have comments, content requests, and questions, please shoot us an email, M-L-E-M-A at Wudairies.com or D-A-R-B-Y at Wudairies.com. Thanks, we'll see you next week. Well, West United Dairies respects the varied views of our podcast guests. Please know that views expressed on seen and heard may not necessarily reflect the positions of the Western United Dairies Board of Directors. Thank you to Western United Dairies' generous business sponsors: Gar Bennett, California Dairy Magazine, Farm Credit Alliance, FNR Ag Services, Moss Energy Works, Bennett Environmental, PG and E. And Yosemite Farm Credit. We appreciate our sponsors and thank them for their continued support. If you'd like more information on how to sponsor Western United Dairies or this podcast, please send us an email at info at wudairies.com. That's info at w-u-d-a-i-r-i-e-s.com.